Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now this is definitely the show. <laughs> we always have to start on a double, a double, uh. Hey, do you guys like cars? Nope. Oh, okay. Well, then let's not talk about that. <laughs> what else are we going to talk about? Okay, John. Uh, did you see the thing about the Porsche? You guys like Porsches? <laughs> hey, hey, either of you own a Porsche? <laughs> this will be really relevant to Seamless. like like 0.3% of our listening to audience. Our, I, I, you think that that seems high? That, yeah, I think so. Oh, so well, there's that about, one, but there's that one guy. You're talking about the fact that Porsche uh, opted, and I should note, I think, hold on, now I'm going to check my facts. Wow, I know, this is a new era on this show where I actually check check my facts. <laughs> but you're um, checking during the show, so that's... Um, I am, and I found yeah. that I was... Um, yes, I, I am correct, which is that Porsche, Porsche is owned by Volkswagen. Volkswagen? Volkswagen. Those guys, those guys are great. Those guys, they wouldn't yeah, do anything yeah. bad. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but wah, Porsche wah. opted to you to build an uh, integration for CarPlay and not Android Auto because of some privacy concerns. Yeah, I didn't see they, what the concerns were, but it's Google, so I assume you know they wanted. Yeah, they <laughs> wanted a whole bunch of information about uh, what. So let's see. Um, the preparation, wanted, I'm never prepared for how much wanted, preparation goes into this show. They wanted vehicle speed. <laughs> how little? How I've got little it right here. I'm about to read it to you. Shut up. Okay. They wanted things like vehicle speed, throttle position, coolant and oil temperature, engine revs. I mean, like a whole bunch of stuff about the internal, you know, things that are going now, on in the car at the moment. All Apple wanted to know was, is the car moving? <laughs> is this a car? Literally, I mean, that's what, that? that's what, that's what, so this is according well, to Motor, so motor here's, Trend. Here's my question is, I mean, I know Google loves data, right? Like they just, they just love having all of that data because then they can crunch it and possibly do interesting thing, things with it. But do you think that's an attempt for them to essentially use in the pursuit of building their own car because google unlike apple google has been pretty blatant that they are designing self-driving right. cars so yeah. you know do you Could think be. that's sort of like it's not quite you know competitive research i guess but it is sort of at the same time which seems kind of shady because it's like yeah build our stuff into your cars right so we can right. figure out how to build a better car and put you out of business yeah, yeah sure it's not like it, apple's certainly never done that <laughs> Fair enough, <laughs> rocker. But I mean, I don't. I don't even have a car that supports CarPlay, much less. No, I don't think I. I don't, I'm not sure. Mine does self driving. I think they've whatever. talked about it, but they haven't done it yet. I mean, and man, jeez, those those interfaces are so bad. Incidentally, can I just say <sighs> that German um, company uh, names are the best? Because if you look up Porsche, it's dr period ing period lowercase h period c period capital f period Porsche ag. <laughs> usually shortened to porsche ag there you go i don't know why dr ing porsche uh you're you're a volkswagen owner aren't you i, I am a volkswagen owner uh you get I'm, one of the uh the ones that want to destroy the world i well i mean technically they all want to destroy the world sure. question, <laughs> right. question how, uh, how soon well so here's the thing i own i own a gti which is not a diesel car it is sort of a sporty version of the golf but it's designed it's already tuned for performance so i feel like you're already sort of sacrificing gas mileage at that point so it's not really i don't think that this car is really sell sold on the proposition that you're going to get great mileage with it because it's intended to be a you know speedy uh you know agile little car so mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I mean, again, as people have said, there's no belief that they, nothing is indicated that they didn't also try to cheat on gas cars. So it's possible that they lied about the emissions or performance on that as well. But that then extends to, you could probably say that about any car manufacturer. So short answer. Yeah, better. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if there are other shoes to drop in this. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, particular. Oh yeah, story. only one company yeah, decided right. to cheat. I, on, seems uh, we're unlikely. All, we're all but, cynics, you know. Uh, so I'm sure just, it's not my. I'm sure my company's fine. If you're just turning in, this is <laughs> my, my car, talk. car talk. Welcome to car yeah. talk. I saw a piece that uh, claimed that uh, it was a Volkswagen reaction to effectively um, 
trade restrictions placed upon it by the U.S. EPA. Like they had stricter things than they knew that Volkswagen could meet, which I think is a very poor argument. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> because not they were doing I mean, it in Europe too. Like, the fault. Yeah, it's the fault of the government because. Well, I think it's somebody with a. They have a point of view, a perspective that like trade should be completely unrestricted, and they're trying to frame this in that kind of way. But I mean, when your car tests are intentionally rigged, and then when you actually test them in the wild, they're like ten times over the actual limit. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's not like a little bit. Like you're not fudging to yeah. get under some arbitrary limit. And that and that argument also leads to areas where like you know it's basically. <laughs> It should be impossible. You know, you should not enact any laws whatsoever because people will try and get around them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That way lies madness. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I don't know. It seems sensible to me. <laughs> but I have not, I have not used CarPlay, um, obviously, because my car does not accept it. Um, and I haven't heard that it's like all that particularly. I mean, I'm sure it's better than what I've got because what I've got is a tremendous piece of crap, but <laughs> it, it doesn't seem like it's, you know, like some glorious. Yeah, I, everything really I've well heard suggests that experience. the, I mean, the big problem with it is that it does not fall into the usual Apple purview where Apple makes the hardware and the software because while stuff is running off the phone, they still have no control over the in-dash unit which mm-hmm. could have any variety of different specs. Yeah, I can't even imagine how that works. Well, I, I mean, they try as much as possible to sort of co-opt, you know, the hardware and just feed stuff directly to the software, which will get you mm-hmm. s- only so far. But they don't necessarily, I mean, because it's com- it's configured to work with, like, touchscreens, dials, voice commands, like, all these different so it things. So it doesn't require just a touch. I mean, it, like, it's not the kind of thing where you have to have a touchscreen in order for it to work. I think you probably have to have one of some variety, but you don't necessarily need to use the touchscreen to control it, is my understanding. But I don't know. Maybe it, okay. maybe you could use it if you purely had one that could be controlled by dials and stuff. Yeah, I looked into this at some point. You get, um, it's been a while, and I haven't actually written any software for it, because... I don't know anybody actually uses CarPlay. The huge install base isn't so, isn't that attractive? Yet? Yeah, exactly. But Got I think you get like napkin for CarPlay. I can't, I can't see what <laughs> yeah, you're exactly. going. Annotate as you drive. Um, I think you get like up down, you get like D pad controls and selection controls, uh, and then shuttle controls like play, pause, left, right, right, uh, fast forward, rewind, uh, that kind of stuff. I think it's pretty abstracted. Like you don't get. So I can I'm, connect I'm, my Xbox controller to my car and then maybe, that'd be kind <laughs> drive of, with that'd my be, That would be kind of cool. That'd be kind of cool, yeah. You could finally, like, Mario Kart it up. Have your kids throw, like, turtle shells. How do I get the car to hop? How do I get it to hop? Yeah, What's exactly. the key combination? Power slide, John. Power, Power slide. slide. Uh, well, so here's the thing, though. Like, I can... This is the... I have been, you know, kind of skeptical on the whole Apple car thing. And I, I you know, I'll concede that there's enough smoke at this point that there's fire. Not that I you know, am as optimistic necessarily about a product Tomorrow's to the market. Apple cars burst into fire. According <laughs> <laughs> to San Moran. Apple car on fire. Um, but I, it's things like this that, that lead me to thinking that because I have, you know, you have that moment of, well, you know, Apple's working on CarPlay stuff. And at a certain point, they sort of throw up their hands and go, oh, if we're going to do this, we might as well build, like, head units to go in the cars. At which point, yeah, okay, it's a lot to go from there to say, well, if we're going to do that, we might as well build the whole damn car. Um, but I, at the same time, I do feel like I can see how that would cascade into them wanting to control the whole widget. I don't think that's necessarily a great idea, but maybe, I don't know. It seems It still seems weird to me. Uh, but maybe, you know, 10 years from now, after we're all driving our Apple cars, we'll be like, oh, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Um, but I can see why they would get frustrated with the experience because the experience does yeah. suck. Like, I like everything about my car, including how much it pollutes the environment, uh, <laughs> except for the the electronics, which are terrible. They're just really bad. I wrote about this a few years ago when I bought the car. It was like... It feels like like working like an ATM, <laughs> like that's that's what the touchscreen controls are like. Yeah, I and I think a lot of I, when I was looking for so I was looking for a car like nine months ago, and it I wasn't in love with any exterior in the kind of car that I was looking for. So I was looking for a four door sedan, and I didn't. There wasn't anything that I just thought, oh my god, I really want that one. 
um just it seems like there's not a, all that much uniqueness anymore i don't know if that's if that's categorically true or if that was just the experience in the slice of the market that i was looking for and what ended all up cars really making four wheels yeah really <laughs> ended like... up well the designs just don't seem i don't know none of the designs seem like that I mean, you know, there are different kinds of cars. Like, you know, the bug is unique. The those Fiat, those little Fiats, and things like that. But I wasn't looking at any of those cars. Um, and the the thing that really made it for me was actually just the interior experience, sitting in the car, and what it felt like, and sure. the and the controls. So. I mean, I think there's definitely something well, to that's where, that. That's where you spend all your time. I mean, you spend right. very little time yeah. outside. Right. The car. I spend my my time outside of the car, walking around it, looking at it. Uh, well, no, I, I agree with you completely. And I, I had similar experiences, you know, when it came to that kind of thing in terms of like sitting in a bunch of different cars and like there's some, you know, I drove a Honda Accord for many years and I liked that car quite a bit. And I went to look at a new one and the, the console at that point that year was just a mass of buttons. It was like wall to wall buttons just and they were all like square, exactly the same size in rows for everything from like audio to climate control. And it was just like, I will kill somebody while driving this car because I'm <laughs> going to look over and try to figure right. out which damn button I want to hit. Yeah. Uh, and and that was, to me, you know, a terrible design. And one of the things I like about the Volkswagen uh, is that, every you know, they actually feel like they thought about where the placement mm-hmm. of all the controls go. Uh, yeah. And everything's very intuitive and, and makes sense to me. So, yeah. you know, that's there's something to be said for the whole user experience, user interface design of automobiles that I feel like it's, there are companies that do it very well. Um, I test drove a mini too, a couple times because I was always interested in those. And, uh, the, the user interface on those is very stylized, but not necessarily very easy to use. Yeah. Right. There's, I've seen, a, I've seen a number of those. They look cool, but then you're like, like <laughs> there's this big knob in the middle and then there's a, like this circle of buttons around it. And yeah, there's interesting stuff about it car ui too in that um if you have everything at the top level basically a button within reach um then it frees like it, it once you get used to it there's very little cognitive load reaching for the button right as opposed to navigating through a set of menus while you're distracted right yeah because you not only yeah. do you have to keep your contextual awareness of the road and everything the traffic that's going on around you now you've got to mentally you've got to build up a mental model of where in the menu system you are. Right. Right. And, and that, that was for me, that was the difference between a tester of the the accord and then a the low end Acura, like sort of a higher end accord and then the low end Acura. And the higher end accord had like was was mostly touchscreen driven. And mm-hmm. so like to change the temperature, you've got to get into the environmental controls and then you've got to find that, you know, like and I was like, no, there's no freaking way I'm doing right, that. Yeah. I mean, Imagine the that's like going up, going yeah. up to the bottom level acura i was able to get back into physical buttons instead of a touchscreen what would it take to get you to a button today yeah right right <laughs> thirty thousand dollars that's what it took so i think it's a very different design problem than um i mean now apple does basically a sheet of glass with an OS, like you know the software running on it uh i think basically designing a cockpit is a different thing than designing for um you know, a sheet of glass that you can be completely manipulative. So you're saying that Apple's designing a plane? Well, I mean, I'm just calling the, the, the driver's seat a cockpit. But, but if you think of it like that, I mean, there's a reason that planes, even the fancy pants, Look, guy, guy, we have to, ones. Like, if we can start this rumor, I say we start this rumor. Yeah. Okay. Let's, <laughs> a plane or one of those, like, Osprey things. It's like a helicopter turned plane. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> Self-driving helicopter, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Solar panels, yeah. self-driving electric helicopter. Yeah, yeah. they make me cringe. That's what they make. Nice, nice. Uh, do we have any other uh, Apple-related technology? At some point here, there's probably some guys probably going to pop in and tell us like about our sponsors or something. Probably. Thanks, guys. I'm happy to interrupt. Ah, uh, guess what? Our old friends at Softlayer are back. Softlayer delivers cloud built for flexibility. Your business, applications, and computational workloads are unique, so you deserve cloud resources that meet your specific needs. Guess what? SoftLayer is one of the only cloud providers that provisions dedicated servers and virtual servers, otherwise known as a public cloud, from a single, seamless platform. All on demand, all connected to the same open API, 
all connected to a global private network, allowing you to scale your workloads up and down quickly with ample space for your storage-intensive tasks. Now, SoftLayer is an IBM company. In fact, IBM uses SoftLayer as its cloud infrastructure foundation for all IBM cloud products and services. So even if you're not looking for infrastructure, you can still benefit from SoftLayer when you use platform or software services for IBM Cloud. Our listeners have the opportunity to get $500 of cloud infrastructure by visiting softlayer.com slash podcast. You can order bare metal servers, virtual servers, storage, networking, and security services from your choice of data center. They have 24 of them around the world. It's more houses than I have. And all of those servers and services are connected to SoftLayer's unique network of networks, which separates public, private, and management traffic, ensuring the traffic to and from your cloud infrastructure travels more efficiently. You can automate and control your cloud infrastructure with a granular API or in the easy-to-use SoftLayer customer portal. Visit softlayer.com slash podcast to get started with your $500 off servers, storage, network, and security on a cloud built for flexibility from SoftLayer. That's S-O-F-T-L-A-Y-E-R dot com slash podcast. Our thanks to SoftLayer for once again sponsoring The Rebound. They have excellent taste. Yeah. We, yeah. I miss you, Lex. Thank you for letting me understudy. <laughs> Today, no jokes about Lex, because I, I appreciate it. Yeah. He's, yeah. A great, he's a great fellow. Um, yes, we all miss Lex this week someday we'll have a show where guy and lex are on at the same time actually we've probably done that at some point but all four of us will be on at some point that'd be crazy right that will oh be the world's end insanity yeah. <laughs> maybe episode 100 you got like 40 odd episodes oh, yeah. to go. Right. we totally didn't celebrate the fact that we've already hit a year and oh, episode no, 50. Yeah. we tend and to ignore that 50, kind of right. shit <laughs> because we can't because we're bad at math well we don't remember it until we go to like post the episode <laughs> right. oh, i guess this yeah. was episode 50 <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that happens when you have a show with a format as rigorous as ours. Did you uh, happen to look at the Microsoft announcements today? I saw some since of them. We I saw are, since we band. are a podcast that rigorously covers Microsoft. Yeah, that's our bread yeah. and butter. Yeah, I saw Joanna Stern cracking wise, which yeah. is always funny. <laughs> yeah, I well, saw the, that they uh, they came out with a they they made a laptop. Well, see, that was the funny <laughs> thing. Like they they first introduced a Surface, and they said this will totally replace your laptop. And then they said, and then the next announcement is, we're making a laptop. <laughs> this will totally replace <laughs> it, your Surface? This is, the, this is the laptop that's going to be replaced by your Surface. Oh, yeah, we, we, had to repl- <laughs> we had to create something for the Surface to replace. So we made a laptop. Right. So now we made a laptop. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit of the, or like snake eating its own tail kind of thing. Right. Uh, yeah. Which they kind of did already with the Surface and the Surface RT. Yeah, right, right. And the Surface RT, well, sorry, the Surface, which one was the one that failed <laughs> miserably? The RT failed miserably because okay. it was running on an ARM chip. Right. Right. Yeah. It was more akin to an iPad. And I was kind of more excited about it because it was lightweight. Like the, the original Surface had those giant, it was pretty thick and it had like giant slats right, in the side right. for the air to, yeah. for the heat to escape. Um, so this new one, I'm just looking at it on the, the Verge, has some pictures. It looks like a laptop. Whoa, it's got a weird hinge though. <laughs> That was the thing. The hinge is supposedly... Uh... Ah, and you can pull the screen off? And, like, flip it around? Sorry. I'm just... <laughs> that's just... T- that's, yeah. You know, that's, that, that's happened that's, on Windows right. stuff before. That's, like, standard Windows. <laughs> that's weird, man. <laughs> crazy, crazy laptop stuff. Yeah, yeah I, but, well, okay. I guess that's that's great. It's just more of a... Uh, I I don't know. I mean, like, I guess if you're in the market for a, a Windows... PC, but it's interesting that Microsoft has gotten more and more into hardware construction over the past decade or so, mm-hmm. uh, because you know they were a software-only house. I feel like for most of the yeah, I mean they made 80s, mice, 90s, and, they made, they right, made mice and keyboards, and that was about it, right? But you know, then they moved into the Xbox, uh, and then they've you know they've got this, they've got the Hololens, they've got you know they're, they the surfaces. Zune was a was an early one. That oh yeah, the Zune came and went. Oh yeah. man, how could I forget <laughs> Xbox being Zune? Yeah, um, that is a crazy hinge. That is a crazy hinge, isn't it? It's kind of cool. I mean, and, and to a certain degree, at least you know it's still silver, but the whole thing doesn't like it doesn't ooze MacBook smack. Quite yeah, yeah, as it doesn't much as... doesn't seem like so many of them. I mean, basically, all only because they didn't use black keys, they used. They use silver keys instead of black, but aesthetically 
speaking, it doesn't look exactly like a MacBook. Although it does have a glass trackpad with no button. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, but at a certain point. That's the way the industry goes. Yeah, let it go, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, guy, I, mean, I will not let it go. No, I don't mean you. I just mean, like, this, this whole... Right. These no, guys did it first, and those guys did it first. Yeah. I mean, whatever. No, it's, like, it's convergence, right? It's, you know, yeah. Again, it's the same thing with, like, again, all cars have four wheels, like John was saying before about all cars looking kind of samey. At a certain point, like, there are things that are just sort of adopted as conventions, right? Right. So, yeah. Like, I'm, it's one thing if you immediately ape another product. That's kind of lame. But once it's been kind of shaken out. And established. And established, and it's like, yeah, okay, that's just a better way to do it. Fine. You know? Is there, I mean... The thing about the laptop is that the computer experience is so intrinsically linked with the software to me that, and because it's like a work thing more than a, you know, like I could play around with a Surface in sort of like a tablet or or even like a Windows phone or something, but I feel like I'd have a much harder time shifting to a, a Windows, a Microsoft laptop, if only because it's so intrinsically Windows, which is not... Like, I go to my computer to get stuff done and to be really effective and productive because I know how everything works and it's all set up and configured to my usage. Um, Whereas, you know, uh, tablets, it's less it's less easy to do that because there aren't as many features mm-hmm. that you can sort of tweak <laughs> to your liking. Yeah. Speaking of tweaking, yeah, you should have an 11 year old who has a windows laptop who loves to tweak things and then can't figure out how to get them back. Why it doesn't it, work right? anymore. Are you still hip to windows, John? Cause I, knew, I mean, certainly more than Dan and I, I think you. Yeah. Knew I mean, you know, I, it, you know, because of him, I, I basically interact with it every, almost every day. Wow. And uh, do you have Windows 10? That kid still lives in your yeah, house. He's got, after he's all got that. Windows 10. He's got Windows 10. He doesn't. He's not crazy about it. I mean, he. I don't know. He for some reason he thinks it's buggy. Um, and you know, I guess it's not out yet, right? Um, so Isn't it? oh, I thought is it not out? Is it out yet? I, I mean, because we got in the beta. But... We got in the beta program. Was it uh-huh. okay? Okay, because we got in the beta program, and so I I did lost track of of where where right. it was. Yeah. Um, he seems to think it's buggy, but I think it's mostly just because he does crazy things with it. So, I don't yeah, think but I, I mean, that's if they let you. Well, I think I think the, the dial, problems like, that he's encountering are things that he's screwed up, not oh, okay, okay. You know, yeah. not that he's you know I mean because he's he almost almost all of his stuff is Minecraft stuff, and he's constantly yeah. moving jar files around, and then when something doesn't work, he. Thinks oh, okay. that it's because yeah. of he's like this DLL seems way too big. I'm just going to delete it. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, he doesn't have he does not have administrator privileges anymore. Okay. That was yeah. um. I used to do that, that to my parents' problem. computers. That's why I'm not making fun yeah. of them. I just you no, know yeah, fiddling yeah, no. with well, stuff well, that you don't that's, understand. That's part of I mean that's part of the the process. Right? Exactly. I mean that's you figure that's how we all that learn. stuff out. Yeah, right. You got to break something that you got to rip it apart to make to figure out how it works. So. It's just the thing that the thing that's hard for me is I wish that I knew the operating system a little better so that I could restore it to a like an image right. quickly, um, and and still like be able to put his files back on. And I I'm don't surprised they know how to do that that easily. I'm surprised Microsoft doesn't have great tools for that, given that they're well, they might, and I just don't through, know what they are. Okay, like their enterprise yeah. background would seem to like yeah, I mean, well, yeah, yeah, should be <laughs> should be dead easy, right? So. I'll just sign up for an enterprise account. Yeah. Well, no, I don't mean that, but I mean, <laughs> well, well you, you'd think that they would build like just yeah, a reset right, and button. right from that experience right. that well, they'd be able in, to build. Back that. in my previous career, when I did work in IT, that was kind of something that we all did. Was like we had just you know images of essentially standard computers that we deployed throughout right. our office right and you just like someone's computer is acting up like you pulled mm-hmm. it in you you, re- go, yeah, you imaged it. a new drive slapped it back in sent it back because everything yeah. was on the network you yeah. know so there, there certainly that capability exists it's just it's easier to deploy on an institutional level than it is say in your own house right mm-hmm. right that would be i mean and then the other problem of course is that you know it's a it's a lenovo and it comes with all this crap that they installed on it mm-hmm. and getting down to the the stuff that you actually need and getting rid of all that crap that constantly nags you to to subscribe to something like McAfee or whatever it is i mean you know it's it, that whole process took months to figure out and i know that there are i mean yeah i mean what you're supposed to do is supposed to just reimage it with a vanilla version of i mean okay well i didn't do that so can I, I guess that's can i can know, i can i shift me. i want to shift gears slightly and ask you guys about the did you see this microsoft display dock 
Uh, no. This is what you I heard. Plug, I, it's like yeah. a hardware adapter where you can plug in a keyboard and a mouse and a display, and then you connect your phone and basically use your phone like a PC. Does anybody want that? I don't know. That's my question. People keep people. They've been doing this for years. I mean, they keep like there is a whole group of people who think that this is the holy grail of computing. And I just don't I don't understand that. I mean, this is why we built the cloud and why we're supposed, you know, why we put all of our stuff in the cloud so that you can access it from any device instead of this idea that you're going to have one device that's going to have everything on it. I mean, on the Mm -hmm. one hand, I see I I appreciate the simplicity as someone who has like six different devices. Like I certainly appreciate the simplicity of only having to worry about, well, I only have to update one device. You know, I only have to carry one device. Granted, if you lose that one device, you're totally fucked. Um, Right. But I there is something appealing about that, especially now as smartphones have gotten so powerful that we are starting to get like high performance, you know, out of our iPads and iPhones um, you know, desktop level performance, if you believe Tim Cook about some of the uh, the the current iPad lineup. And so uh, or I guess the yeah, I mean, I don't even think you, you don't even really have to take his word for it. It's it's basically sure. And so my point it's just being, a matter of making sure the apps, you know, that the apps exist for a, you to get that experience. Right. right. And, it, and so at that point, it becomes more a decision of UI. Right. Because when you plug your phone in, you want a different UI if you're using right. a keyboard and a mouse than you do if you want a touchscreen. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what Microsoft was shooting for with the Surface, too. Right. Like you could have like go back and forth between touchscreen and keyboard trackpad. And, and I and I certainly agree that there are both of those UIs are better for certain things. So, you know, it's not a case of purely one being better than the other. There are circumstances where a keyboard and mouse is better and there's a circumstances where a touchscreen is better. Um, and so I can see why you would want to do that and why you would feel like having one device that you could toggle between those two modes is attractive. But I agree that the practicality and actual usability of it has still seemed to come up short. I don't want to. I don't want to be plugging things in and out all the time, though. Well, that's the other. You know, question. It's like, like I don't want to like. I don't want to have to dock anything. I don't want to have to like insert a bunch of things into my whatever. Yeah, see what I mean. Let, let's pretend <laughs> nobody that the, wants that. Let's pretend that the the wires are uh, just an artifact of this generation and this kind of thing. What Which if you is just, what I think. Yeah. Yeah. What if you just walked up to this quote unquote dock and. Uh, through magic, it picked up your phone and just started displaying on the screen like a... a Here's kind of what I picture based on that. Is like, let's say you have a, you know, something kind of like the Apple Watch charger, right? Like an inductive yeah. charger. You slap your phone down on this little cradle and all of a sudden, like, your your keyboard, trackpad, monitor all recognize it's there without you having to connect anything and you're, you're off and, and running. Like, there's something to be said about that as a setup, I think. Well... The the biggest problem is one of software design. Sure. Because designing, I mean, designing a good app for either mouse and keyboard or for touch display, they're both hard to do well. As we know, there's so many crappy apps out for, for both methods of input. Mm-hmm. Having one that switches seamlessly between them is, uh, that's going to be a bit of a nightmare. Well, right? but I, then I think about things like, just to use an example, because I know it, it updated as just before we recorded this, it takes something like TweetBot which has a Mac version and an iOS version. And I mean, they're, they're pretty similar. They're obviously designed differently, you know, and I realize this is a very specific class of app that might be easier to sort of have feature parity between two different, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, platforms. But in theory, you know, you've got, you know, TapBots creating an app that has Mac and iOS versions, which are very similar. um, And, you know, with some of the stuff that I feel like Apple's been working on with like the app slicing and stuff where you can kind of deliver specific binaries, you know, depending on the platform. Mm-hmm. Like if you could do that on the fly in some way. Well, so that that's a solved problem. You could run a separate binary on your, I don't know, we'll just, for lack of a better word, just call it a dock. You could run a separate binary when attached to a dock for sure. But I think the user expectation would be that if I'm uh, looking at my keynote presentation on my phone, and I put it down on your magic charger, and then it comes up on the big screen, the UI is going to change. Like on the phone, it's going to be a phone UI, and without yeah. skipping a beat, the application is going to start projecting onto the big screen, Yeah. but have an, a UI that is a, uh, suitable for a mouse and keyboard, mm-hmm. which is, means that developers, developers have to write their apps to adapt in real time to a different context, right. which... 
uh, is really cool. And it, but, and this is going to sound like I'm whining, but that's a lot of burden to put on a developer, right? Oh, sure. And while it does sound like, like, oh man, that's a lot of work. I'm just telling you, there's going to be bugs and like, it's, oh, it's, sure. it's going to yeah. end up being crappy, yeah. you know, like. And that's, well, that's, the, that's yeah. That's one of the things that's made the, the the whole app boom possible is the fact that you know things like this were stripped out, right? You know, and and yes, constraints were made in order in order to get things on mobile platforms. But it also, you know, there's that whole thing about when you make constraints, sometimes you make opportunities. Yeah, and, and I don't and, disagree with any of that. I just I wonder, looking forward, you know, again, a decade out from now. If that won't, if this like won't seem you know, not exactly short sighted, but like just in terms of the capability, you know, focus more on the capabilities that we have in the here and now rather than the capabilities that we might have in a decade. Because there's plenty of stuff that you can do on a phone now or a, or a tablet or just even the ways that we have of doing things that, you know, if we looked back 10 years, we'd be like, oh, that'd be a terrible experience. But it turned out that as hardware got better and software got more flexible and Apple, you know, things like auto layout, right? And the stuff where they're like, okay, we're going to make it easier to adapt your, your interface between, say, a large iPad and a small iPhone. Um, you know, there are things that, that get done to sort of reduce the heavy lifting on the developer side. Again, I know this is all very complex, and I, I don't think this is something that, that certainly Apple would turn around and do tomorrow, even next year. But I can see projecting forward a scenario in which having one device to carry around and use in multiple contexts could be more attractive than having four different devices with all your information synced between them, sometimes unreliably. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah. I think well, I don't know. I still believe. I just believe that this. That, yeah, and I mean, and Apple's not very good at this game, but I still think that the the better idea is just to have your data abstracted into the cloud, and that you can get it from anything. And you know, and like, and ideally, something like handoff would work better than it does, or at all, because I've never. I don't think I've ever actually gotten it to work reasonably well. And you would just move from one thing to the other. And because I don't, you're just not ever going to get to the point. I don't know. Maybe you will, but it just doesn't seem likely that we're going to get to that point in my lifetime where you're the size advantage of a desktop computer is not going to beat out the, you know, the size of the mobile device. What do you mean? You mean physical size? Physically, yeah. I mean, like, you know, I, you're still going to be able to, at some point design better games for a desktop computer oh, absolutely. that use more processing power than you will for like your phone. Right. Because the space constraint, I mean, at a certain point yeah. you're running up against physics, right? Like yeah. the amount of heat you can generate and the amount of battery, you know, you can use to power right. things. Right. I mean, at least in, in our lifetimes, I mean, not to say that that couldn't be fixed at some point down the road when we're all carrying, you know, phones with fusion reactors. In them. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I think that there is, uh, again, it depends on your market too, right? Because like I think that there are there are people who don't need you know even if something that was like a a mobile phone that you could transform into a desktop was not equivalent to the power of your actual desktop, um, you know there there are people who don't need that, right? There are people in the same way there are people yeah. now who are trying to get by more and more with iPads. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, people don't need computer. Not everybody needs a computer. That said, you know there are definitely niche tasks. You know things like gaming. I, I think honestly. I'm still kind of back and forth on whether how useful, how how invested Apple is in that platform because your consoles are, I mean, arguably are always going to beat out your mobile games for certain classes of games. Um, right, and some consoles of that, are going to get pinched out. I think. Yeah, but maybe, but the, I think they're going to be more of a niche market. But I think you're because mobile games are certainly you know huge growth area. Yeah. But I should say when I say pinched out, I mean I don't think they'll ever go away. Same as high-end gaming PCs have not gone away right. with the with right. the surgence of, of uh, consoles. At the same time, uh, there's not a lot of development done specifically for high-end gaming PCs anymore. It's a lot right. of it's targeted at the consoles. And I think similarly, the the bulk of the um, development of, for, for games industry will go towards lower, what we now call lower-end consoles, but by then will be really quite powerful. Like, you think of things like Apple TVs and Roku? Well, and the Apple TV or? still, it's, it's got a great processor, but uh, not quite, it's not as good as the iPad Pro. But I mean, give it a couple of years and 
See, the thing is, yeah, stuff like the Apple TV will rev way faster than things like uh, the PlayStation and Xbox. Sure. Yeah. Which have well, seven years life cycle. Those have long curves, yeah. Five to seven years, which is bananas these days. Yeah. Yeah. And can right. you name another piece of hardware you have? Like my, my iMac may be the only other thing I have that's lasted five to seven years. Yeah. Mine, <laughs> mine's. <laughs> Yeah. And it's getting a little old. Mine's, mine's eight. John, yeah. John Syracuse's <laughs> Mac Pro is able to vote in the 2016 election. <laughs> <laughs> but that's an edge case. Yeah. And it is a robot, actually. <laughs> I'm glad we settled that. Yeah. Um, let's see what else was going on this week. I was trying to remember uh yeah it's been it's we come we've come off like the sort of the big all the new apple mm-hmm. announcements the new um well new pretty soon pretty updates. soon we'll have our apple tvs our new apple yeah i'm TVs, very excited right? still so. about this and i haven't i don't know when they go on sale they're supposed to ship later this month so i keep assuming they're, they'll go on sale sometime within the next week or two but the, they just i think they just seeded a new round of dev kits too i heard yeah right so yeah i can't talk yeah. about that yeah i was gonna say yeah somebody somebody probably can't talk about that um do we want to talk about waterproof iphones no we talked did about we talk about this week did we talk yeah i know but actually the i'm not sure new, that's there's is clarification that on that right or did, did i i might have put that in the show notes but we didn't talk about it last week but that they what they basically what they did is they've wrapped up all the components right. in like rubber <laughs> So instead of trying to, you know, brute force the outside and like put little plugs in the uh the headphone jack and you know those things that you're supposed to like stick in in order to keep it waterproof after you use the headphones, uh they just wrapped every component in the inside in Which makes some sense. sort of some sort of rubber. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it's not waterproof, but no, no, it's but much it's, more water resistant than it was. Yeah, but I think if I'm not wrong, uh using water resistant has yeah, it does have legal certain... ramifications, right? There's like you need to be, yeah. well, you don't need There's to be, but you have to be tested for, for a certain thing. So they're yeah. not, okay, so they're not legally considered water resistant. I don't no, know. I, I think don't know. they I just think... did this because it yeah. essentially reduces the number of people who have yeah. come in and like yep. my, it slipped out of my pocket yeah. and went into the toilet. Yeah. yeah. So I was I having think this discussion on Twitter too. Um, a phone that surprisingly survives getting dunked in a toilet or a sink or something is, uh, wonderful right like you're happy you know you dropped it you picked it up you panic you pick it out of your dishwashing thing and then you're like (laughs) oh god thank god it works that's amazing what a great thing if you're promised that it's going to work underwater right then you go test it and it fails (laughs) yeah well yeah well that's like i mean the the watch is resistant and i've still you know don't I haven't tried submerging it, right? No, like, no. But I don't care. I wash my hands with it on all the time. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Like, but, like yeah. I've do, you sho- do you shower with it? I mean, have either of you showered with it? No. No. Craig swims yeah. with his on, for God's sake. Well, yeah. I mean, I can see swimming because, yeah, granted, I know Craig detailed the problems with the, sort of the fitness aspects of it yeah. um, when swimming. But I think yeah. that makes more sense than for me showering with it just because I, I don't... I, I don't wear my watch to sleep either. So if I'm going to get up and take a shower in the morning, I'm not wearing my watch. Yeah. 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 Like even when, my watch, even like a, like a watch watch. That's like when a, would you charge yeah. it? If yeah, you I'm not putting sleep. my watch on to get in the shower. That is not a thing that we yeah. do. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I have a watch that's like tested for diving kind of thing. It's like, I don't, I'm not wearing, I want to wash underneath my watch. Like it's, it's dirty under there. <laughs> I don't know where it all the time. It's a real problem. Well, I don't know. Take it off. You're in the shower. Come on. The thing's alive under there. <laughs> the ecosystem. Yeah, well, I mean, so that makes sense to me from a from a practical perspective for Apple to just be like, let's let's not make our phones water resistant yet per se. They might still decide to do that in a future version, but let's make it a little more robust in dealing yeah. with accidental It's like making water. the screen harder. It's like making yeah. the back harder. It's basically making it incrementally improving the survivability of the device yeah, absolutely is, why wouldn't you do that because well, i mean to save money is the answer but I mean, right, the, right. Yeah. or or to just you know make people buy new phones every time they break their phone well i mean the calculus is well there's that which is super cynical and sure. despite what everybody says i don't actually think apple i don't think so either. like that's, that i really don't but i mean there are there are companies that probably would yeah yeah so the sure. calculus then becomes uh do we save more money by uh having phones that are less survivable or more money by having phones that uh, we have to service less. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, the, the co you know. the co sort of the countervailing example of that is buying your six pack of Amazon tablets. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, I broke that one. Well, pull up the next Just one. Just pull another one. Fire it up. Well, I see, I see what you did there. Zing. Oh, I didn't even... Oh, God, I wouldn't have done that on purpose. I apologize. <laughs> Tell the not, truth, John. You would have done that not, on purpose. <laughs> nope. Nope. Would not do. Um, hmm. uh, speaking of speaking of Amazon, um, you know, I... Oh, God. Are we talking about the, this restriction of sale thing? No, I was not going to talk about that. But we that. could talk about that. We could talk about that. I think I'd love that's, to talk about actually, that. let's talk about that because I think that's the <laughs> dumbest idea ever. Yeah. In well, which way? If for Amazon, because okay, I, yeah, I just it's it's a giant ocean of dumb going on here. Well, the, sure. Yeah. I can understand. Oh, sorry. First of all, let me caveat what I'm going to say by saying Apple and Amazon are both retailers. They can carry or not carry whatever products they want. Exactly. I don't think there's any yeah. issue there. I, I'm not saying there's any legality issue. I think it's a dumb strategic move because yeah. from, from Amazon's point of view, Apple's core business has always been buy our products. Anything that they sell additional to that is just ancillary, right? It's like, yeah, we decided to offer a small selection of accessories. But you never were under the impression that in order to get anything you needed to work with your Apple device, you have to buy it from the Apple Store, or that the Apple Store would carry every possible thing that works with your device. Right. Whereas Amazon is a retailer and their core business is selling things. And if they're suddenly going to turn around and not sell certain things, Mm -hmm. it doesn't really make sense. Like, because you're training people out of like, Amazon is my one-stop shop You can go, right, exactly. You can go to Amazon for everything. Well, now you can't anymore. And, you know, I realize Apple, or sorry, I realize that Amazon has its own competing products and certainly would love people to buy a Fire TV instead of an Apple TV. Um, but couching it in the sense of it doesn't work with Amazon Prime videos is bizarre because, A, it sort of does. I mean, if you have the app on your iOS device, you can AirPlay it to an, an Apple TV, and that's maybe not a perfect use case, but it works. And, B, why not just build an app for the Apple well, TV? Well, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, I don't understand. I mean, is it is it about the fact that you can't – they don't want to – have a purchase mechanism that's but done through the app store obviously you don't but you don't need right to. you wouldn't have to you would just be able to access all your because content this isn't that. for amazon's rental so in the amazon yeah, so otherwise why do they make a kindle app for the iphone right or or an amazon instant video app i mean the thing is that i think amazon has its own weird problem because so you know you compare so itunes you buy your content you download it and you watch it Netflix, you buy access to a library of content and stream it on demand. Amazon wants both of those markets because they have multiple different... You can either buy stuff and then download it and watch it, or you can buy like pay a subscription fee and have access to a library, and there's only some overlap between those two. Yeah, they've got the iTunes uh, music the Apple music, yeah, like exactly. Random, who knows what the hell's happening? <laughs> Although their catalog, I would say, probably for Prime Video is much smaller. It's much oh. more to a Netflix size than like an Apple Music size. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just mean like in that you own it or you stream another, it and right. God knows what's happening. But it's know? like the Apple Music versus the iTunes Store because the Apple Music did not make the iTunes Store go away. And it's even more confusing how those products relate. And I think that's right. Amazon I just is, mean like a multimodal access system yeah, is yeah. way more confusing than Absolutely. just one or the other. Absolutely. And and so they and they have these multiple competing business models in some way. And so what they're offering on iOS, I think, largely is prime video access. So if you've already paid, you don't buy anything through the app. You're just paying for you're just signing in with your account that you've already, you know, set up a subscription for and taking advantage of the catalog that's there. The only thing I can think of because this does not make any sense. So but the only difference between sort of an Apple TV device, uh and an iOS device that may affect Amazon is um, the universal search through Siri. Mm-hmm. In that, if you say, show me where I can watch, uh, I don't even know anything that's on Amazon, uh, Shield, let's say, um, and you have got it, or whatever, the Avengers, so you've got it through Amazon Prime, but Amazon Prime comes up later in the list than, let's say, Netflix, which is now streaming it free. Mm-hmm. Now you've been shown that, like, look, there's all of these options. So maybe you just go to Netflix rather than Netflix. You know what I mean? Like it right, presents... but it's a sunk cost because you're already a subscriber. You're either a subscriber to one or both, right? Well, you are then, but 
when it comes time to re-up, maybe you're like, well, you know what? I never bother going as far as Amazon because I see that there's so many other options on these things that are more affordable. But I think that the issue with that is that Amazon, this is part of Amazon Prime, which has all these other ancillary benefits. Yeah. So most people are getting the video as like an add-on because they are they want the yeah. shipping or they want all the other free stuff that Amazon gives them. So yeah. I don't I do agree. And I want to say that I did call it a big ocean of dumb. I'm yeah. just trying to understand <laughs> what. No, no, I, I, agree. And <laughs> I, think, I, I would think so. Some of it might come back to that in-app purchase thing, right? Like this, yeah. the reason the Kindle and Comixology right. apps don't have any purchase capabilities is because of Apple's stupid 30 percent rule, which I think is also dumb. Um, you know, the idea that if you want to yeah. buy something using in-app purchase, Apple gets a chunk of revenue for that. Yeah. And um, again, and it's dumb, not feasible not for evil. Amazon or yeah. anybody else of that size to do that. Well, it's it, it's a strong disincentive for any other reseller to sell through Apple's platform because you're just you're either eating a giant portion of your uh margin sure and i I just feel like feasibility technologically wise setting up your gigantic ass ebook library to run through apple's purchase system seems like a huge hassle rather than just using your own sure you can do it there used to be a limit there used to be a limit to the number of Mm -hmm. purchases you could register and you've got to go through itunes connect i'm sure amazon could work something out but yeah yeah. but that's the thing it's like they would require them to work something out uh but in the end it just really just screws over users who just want access to all of this stuff no matter where it is right 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 so that's how i feel <laughs> <laughs> i totally just co-opted that sorry john <laughs> sorry i was angry i'm angry yeah, I, i'm, no, I'm okay. letting it go now i'm letting it go now okay so good. i'm going to my happy place <laughs> would it be i don't know i'm trying to think like maybe the in the future, it'd be nicer to just buy directly from the. Uh, I'm going to say publishers, but you know, like you go to Warner Brothers to buy your Warner Brothers stuff. Like you can skip the, skip the middleman. Yeah, except that whenever they've tried that, it's usually a big pile of shit. Right, because those companies yeah. don't know how to build that experience. With the no. exception, maybe of Disney, which actually seems to kind of have an idea of how to and be MLB, kind of who are killing it. Yeah. Oh sure. yeah. But the sports networks are like their own little fight. Yeah, that's too. a little fiefs and weird thing. But yeah, but, but I mean, I, MLB is running HBO now, right? So are they? I didn't. I did not know that. Yeah, but that makes sense. Uh, Have you seen? Um, you mean you mean they made that app? Uh, yeah, but the it's all people? their back end technology. Okay, and the app, I believe. I was going to uh, say, if you compare, pretty sure that's the case. The advanced media or whatever they're called. Yeah, the MLB advanced media. Those guys. I've, I've met those guys. Those guys are smart. They make yeah, great a little bit stuff smart. too. Um, yeah. I was going to say if you've ever used Ultraviolet, which is essentially the industry's <laughs> attempt to do that, <laughs> then you have under, kind of understand why we don't want to leave that in their hands. No, because it is a yeah, pain it's as in bad. It's ass. as bad. It's as bad as the car stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just. I just think the model where you make something and I pay you for it is is a good one. Like we don't necessarily need a middleman, but we do because the people who are making stuff are so. Out of their depth in terms of actually being able to figure this situation out. And they're so accustomed to selling through, um, you know, there's buyers for big movie chains. And, you know, they're they're not accustomed to selling to individual users. So they have no clue what the hell happens. Yeah. It would be nice if we get to the point where the people who are literally creating the stuff just drop it into a hopper and it goes to all these different, like, outlets. You know, and you choose your – you choose your – end user experience to get any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, and somebody was talking about, you know, th- like when the Martian came out and like, I would pay, you know, so I think it was Ben Brooks. So like I would pay or no, he retweeted someone who said I would pay $50 to watch it at home right now. And I think mm-hmm. you'd actually have to pay more than that because I, you know, I went with my family to the theater and I can tell you, we paid 60 bucks that came through the whole experience. Yeah. Oh for man. The three, we for paid the three a- of us. I went uh, the other day, but we had to leave about halfway through. Uh, so that was depressing, both in terms of <laughs> that was a cool movie. And yeah. that cost a bit of a fortune because we saw it in 3D and it was like 35 oh, bucks man. just for like two tickets. 
Ugh. Plus some popcorn that I really didn't. Yeah, right. Eat, that's but the I thing. Like the, it's, I need. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't do 3D, but it was like you know, for the three of us, the tickets were thirty dollars, and then the, the like the food was thirty dollars. I was just like, oh my god! And nice we didn't get theater. we didn't get that much really. I mean, in terms of food, but it's like it, it was. Oh, twi- it just, it, they basically crazy. doubled their income mm-hmm. from us because we we bought some popcorn mm-hmm. and some candy and stuff. But I still love the cinema experience, and the popcorn and candy is part of that for me. So. Uh, maybe yeah. maybe I'm like an old man, like an old nostalgic <laughs> man, you know. Like, <laughs> but I, I, was, it, it was I like it when my, my shoes s- get sticky because of this, like the spilled soda, and you know. Yeah, and my, my son, <laughs> my son did not want to go to the 3D version. The, well, and I, I don't like 3D, but I thought, but I had heard on like NPR that oh, the 3D really pops in this movie, so I was like, all right, well maybe I'll try the 3D. But he was like, no, I don't want to go to the 3D. Yeah, I think that's so where I we kind of okay. have to leave. A uh, bit of uncomfortable feeling was setting in. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like nausea or just like, yes. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I mean, the opening scene was, uh, it just, things went south pretty quick. <laughs> well, no, like, whatever. Yeah. I don't, and it's yeah. not really my place to be talking about it. But yeah, it was like discomfort. And I think maybe right. it was a 3D thing, given it. Plus, yeah. I mean, it kind of harrowing. Yeah. To the film, yeah. Right? What was funny, like the 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 thing that bothered my son the most was the previews because there were a lot of horror previews. Mm. Yes, like three or four horror movies, like um, or like three, I guess three in the in the previews. First of all, there were like twenty previews, and then you know, like several of them were very scary horror movies, and and just the and it's really just the music and the sound, you know, like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, oh, there was that ghost was, one, right? <laughs> Yeah, like the there was the one the Benicio del Toro one, uh, oh, yeah. which was less bothersome. But then there's the one the Japanese forest one, the forest I believe it's called. I'm only half listening Crimson to you guys Peak right now, and I don't know what the yeah. fuck you're talking about anymore. <laughs> we are, it's an yeah, entertainment we're way podcast. Far afield. <laughs> it's an, we're, we've moved into entertainment mode. Uh, anyway, The Martian, good movie. Go see it. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> this week's not, not in not in 3D. <laughs> Because it'll make you sick. Sponsored by Mars. <laughs> well, it's not like it's anyway. Whatever. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, I want to retract what Mole said. It's not that it will make you sick. It's just that <laughs> it had a particular effect on. It. This well, movie it's, will make you it's too much. Well, too it's much? not like the camera's moving crazy, and I think they're they're not. It's not over. Yeah. It's not overwrought with three D. Is what I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Anyway. Yeah. Back to back to computers. <laughs> Computers. Does anybody use computers anymore? No, fuck those things. <laughs> yeah, that may, may well be my second favorite Bond movie after uh, From Russia with Love. It's oh, my choice. favorite. It's my favorite. Yeah. It doesn't, the, there's a lot of weird one. stuff that doesn't hold up well, like the whole gypsy dancing scene oh. is kind of screwed up but the fight on the train is amazing okay what <laughs> is that I a weird thing that's to funny say? yeah i don't know it's just funny did i ruin did i ruin like an 80 year old movie 